0: Where was I when I found out that we won? I was at lunch, uh, and I didn't know, and I came back to the office and everybody was everything was kind of a buzz. People were moving around very briskly, grabbing things off the photocopier and stuff. and it it took me a couple minutes to figure out what had happened. That's Ben
1: Geffen, an attorney with the Public Interest Law Center in Philadelphia. What had happened was this. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court had just issued a ruling in a case that had consumed Geffen's life for months. That ruling was about to scramble Pennsylvania's political balance of power, and to a degree the nations. Pennsylvania Supreme Court has struck down the boundaries of the state's 18 congressional districts. Now, the move is a major victory for the plaintiffs in a case that contend that districts were unconstitutionally
0: gerrymandered to benefit Republicans. It ruled that districts had been so heavily gerrymandered to benefit Republicans that it violated the state's constitution. The court gave the Republican-led legislature until February 9th to fashion a replacement. But this
1: Pennsylvania high court ruling was the most Clear cut judicial blow to partisan gerrymandering struck anywhere across America in 2018. Other closely watched cases in the nation's highest court landed in muddle. But this one left no doubt. The partisan gerrymandering of the state's congressional map violated the state constitution and had to be undone. The ruling also provided huge momentum to what would eventually turn out to be a blue wave in the midterm congressional elections. What's more, the way Geffen and his colleagues argued and won the case set a precedent. Their approach could prove useful in curbing partisan gerrymandering in many states, no matter what the Supremes down in Washington end up doing. I'm Chris Satulo, and this is Draw the Lines, the podcast whose favorite hashtag goes like this, slay the gerrymander.
0: The people have the right to alter and reform. The people have the right to alter and
1: if you are a centrist or a moderate in a district that is overwhelmingly partisan you really don't have a chance to win there is no path to victory for Trump in Pennsylvania except we won he saw the word homicide and Opened the door. It was
0: the wrong door, but people were going to die. You have the uh, Speaker of the House at North Carolina, who comes out and says, "This is a ten-three Republican congressional map because I don't think I can draw an eleven-two congressional map." And I thought, "Is this is this legal? I mean, and who would say it? Who would say it in public like this?" That basically strapped this case to a rocket. I feel like really almost anybody could draw a better map than that. You know, sometimes the answer to the problem is a really obvious one lying in front of you. It's the lines.
1: Today, we're going to court. Oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. Persons we're going to give you an insider's account of a legal case that burst forth from the Pennsylvania court system as suddenly as a summer squall. In what seemed like an instant... This case rearranged the state's political landscape in ways that are still being parsed, praised, and decried. And as much as anyone, Ben Geffen is the guy who made it happen. Geffen is 40, lean and boyish, with the cheerful manner of someone who loves what he does. Let's meet him.
0: I'm from Oklahoma, um, and I rarely meet Okies here in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, My son and I are... uh, uh, the only uh, Oklahoma football fans in our neighborhood. Sermon. No, it's Murray
1: on oh, the option, and he scores.
0: Uh, so we have trouble sometimes finding people to watch the games with. But, uh, but I've been on the, uh, the East Coast ever since I finished high school and uh, been in, Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia since 2010 um, and uh, been working at the Public Interest Law Center the whole time.
1: To work at the law center is to spend a lot of time tilting at windmills. Here's the job description. Fight power on behalf of the powerless. Challenge the status quo to help those whom it harms. So at the law center, losing sometimes comes with the territory. But this is the story of how they won one, a very big one.
0: So we filed our gerrymandering case in Pennsylvania uh, in 2017. The name of the case uh, was League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania versus the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. In developing this case, we certainly learned a lot from some of the other Uh, gerrymandering litigation that's been filed in this decade around the country. Um, The Gil V. Whitford case in Wisconsin, uh, cases from Maryland and North Carolina uh, challenging congressional plans, Uh, those were certainly all cases that we looked at long and hard as we were preparing this lawsuit. And we had been approached by statewide and and national groups saying, you know, Pennsylvania has uh, one of the most outrageous gerrymanders in the country. Uh, why isn't anybody doing anything about this?
1: The Washington Post again called this goofy, kicking Daffy Duck. I actually think it looks more like the Energizer bunny. But if you look at it on a map, it really, it really does look like the outline of two childhood cartoon characters scarred forever. Deffen is Leo. quick to stress that his goal in this case was to help the mass of voters exercise their rights not to help one political party.
0: I I think sometimes people get the sense if they're paying attention to this issue only in one state that, oh, well, this is an issue of the Democrats trying to beat back the Republicans or something like that. But really, it's not that simple. Um, In Pennsylvania, it's true that in uh, 2011, when the map was drawn, the Republicans controlled both houses of the legislature and also controlled the governor's office. In other states, the opposite was true. In Maryland, at the same time, Uh, the Democrats had single-party control of the state, and what did they do? They passed a congressional map that was unfair to Republicans. We don't like that any more than we like what happened in Pennsylvania, Um, but here we are in Pennsylvania, and uh, so there was a Republican gerrymander here, and that's what we challenged.
1: Quietly, the Law Center team worked to root their challenge to the 2011 map in different soil from other gerrymandering cases that at the same time were working their way through the federal courts.
0: One of the legal theories in our case was that the um, state legislature, by drawing the congressional map the way it did, had uh, singled out Democratic voters and people who were registered with the Democratic Party for unfavorable treatment uh, because of uh, their protected activities, things like voting, associating with a political party, uh, that because they had done these things, they were retaliated against by the legislature.
1: In some ways, Geffen says, his job was to make like
0: one of the detectives on Law & Order. To win our case, we had to prove that the map was drawn with the intent of giving an unfair advantage to one party and that it had the effect, that was desired, which is to say that the, the scheme worked uh, to prove that, um, you know, the normal way you would prove intent uh, or the, the easiest way to prove intent would be uh, a smoking gun. If you're looking for smoking guns left at the scene of a gerrymander,
1: the place to be is not Pennsylvania. It's somewhere well south of here. In North Carolina, Republicans in the state legislature were stunningly frank about the gerrymandering mischief they were up to. Here's what a state representative named David Lewis said about the red-tinted congressional map he was shepherding through the process. Senator, I propose that we draw the maps to give a partisan advantage to 10 Republicans and three Democrats, because I do not believe it's possible
0: to draw a map with 11 Republicans and two You kind of see what he was getting at there. Here's Gaffin again. In Pennsylvania, we didn't have a smoking gun like that, but we had experts who, I would say, developed night vision goggles that let them see the smoke coming out of the gun even though it was not visible to the naked eye. Um, And that took a few different forms. Some of it was simply just looking at the shapes.
1: You know the shapes that eventually became known as things like Donald Duck kicking Goofy, the hungry hammerhead shark, Casper the ghost serves you breakfast.
0: You know, if you pull it up on on a screen and look at the the shapes of some of these districts, um, and if you know a little bit about Pennsylvania's geography, there's really no explanation for these districts other than that they were drawn in some sort of highly contrived manner. They don't have anything to do with natural features like rivers, they don't have anything to do with political boundaries like county lines or municipal lines. Uh, They were drawn to pack Democrats into as few districts as possible uh, and to ensure a a small but still comfortable Republican majority in every other district. There's, There's no other way to explain it, but we also had statistical experts who used more advanced computer modeling uh, to um, show that to a, uh, a high degree of precision. You know, in our research, we, I, I've looked at all of these claims I've looked at them by by conducting computer simulations of the redistricting process and asking, well, what if the districts had been drawn in a completely nonpartisan manner? Would they really have looked that much different than they actually... One of those professors,
1: Dr. Joey Chen from the the University of of Michigan, wrote an algorithm and cranked up his computer to randomly generate thousands of maps that complied with the principles of neutral redistricting. And not a single one looked anything like
0: the 2011 map. And by any measure, the enacted map was an extreme outlier. So, um, for example, when he would draw these maps at random, Pennsylvania has 18 congressional districts, and it's a a purple state. It's closely divided between Democrats and Republicans in in statewide elections. His maps would um, most commonly result in a nine-to-nine split of the congressional delegation. The second most common outcome was 10 Democratic and eight Republican seats. Um, And it plotted to a nice bell curve, And the enacted plan with this 13 Republican, five Democratic seat split wasn't even near the bell curve. It was way off to the far right of the the long tail of that bell curve. Another mathematician whom the plaintiffs consulted tried tweaking the
1: 2011 map in various small ways. Every single change he made, Geffen said, made the map fairer. The experts show convincingly that one common explanation for that map's locked in 13-5 split was bogus.
0: Sometimes people say, oh, well, Democrats just choose to cluster in big cities and Republicans prefer to live in big open spaces. And so it's just natural that our map would have this um, lopsided advantage for the Republicans. Uh, That um, that great sort idea just cannot explain um, a, uh, a map as skewed as the one that we saw. The highly anticipated U.S. Supreme Court ruling on the Wisconsin lawsuit over gerrymandering came out this week and was underwhelming. In tonight's Capital Insight, how the court's opinion sending Gill v. Whitford back down to a lower court had experts calling it a punt. Wisconsin public.
1: The arguments the Pennsylvania plaintiffs advanced did link up with one key concept that was vital to Gill
0: versus Whitford. The concept is called the efficiency gap and what the efficiency gap measures is um, how many votes are wasted by a congressional or a state legislative map and what wasted vote means is um, so for example right now in this studio uh, we're sitting in what was the second congressional district under the 2011 map in pennsylvania and that's a district that is a, uh, uh, would be about 90 percent democratic votes in every election one of the most packed Democratic districts in the country. And so the idea of a wasted vote is that if you're a voter in that district um, and you vote for the Democrat, 40 percent of the votes um, are wasted votes because there were votes for the Democrat that were over and above the 50 percent plus one needed to win the seat. And all the Republican votes, 10 percent of the total votes, were wasted votes because they didn't... um, amount to a majority to elect a candidate the Republican voters preferred. Uh, so if a map is fair, uh, and it's competitive, and it's, it's even-handed, you would expect the number of wasted votes, when you add up all the districts s- across the whole state, to be about the same on the, on the Democratic side and on the Republican side. But if you have a map that's been drawn to benefit one party, you're going to have a lot more wasted votes for the out party. And that's exactly what you would find in Pennsylvania. When you would add up the votes, uh, for example, in the 2012 congressional election, uh, you'd find about 1.7 million wasted Democratic votes and 700,000 wasted Republican votes. And as I said, that, that was the biggest efficiency gap in the country for a congressional plan. When Geffen
1: and colleagues filed the Pennsylvania case, old hands in Harrisburg politics knew it had a chance of winning. This was simply because the state's highest court, to which judges are elected, had a newly minted Democratic majority. But few expected Pennsylvania courts to work through the complexities of the case in time for the 2018 midterms. On November 9, 2017, however, the state Supreme Court stunned everyone by granting the plaintiff's request to speed up the litigation. Here was the deal. A ruling was to be reached swiftly by a lower bench called the Commonwealth Court. Then that decision would be immediately reviewed by the top court. On the day that news broke,
0: I was actually sitting in a room with a bunch of attorneys and advocates who were working on a different voting issue, and uh, we took a little coffee break in the middle of the meeting, and I I just checked the email on my phone and saw that just about two minutes earlier, we'd gotten this order from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And so it was was exciting to get to stand up and just tell this room, sorry, guys, I'm going to blow off the remainder of this meeting. Because uh, something really big just happened, and uh, I remember um, getting back to my office and, and walking in, and uh, Mimi McKenzie, our legal director, said, fasten your seatbelts, everybody, and she was right. That basically strapped this case to a rocket. Uh, and for the next two and a half months, that's all any of us did. Uh, any of the lawyers on this case were engaged in this litigation around the clock. And uh, so uh, just to give you um, a a taste of what that was like, on November 9th when we got this order from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, um, we hadn't really even begun discovery. That's the process of uh, exchanging information with the other side in a lawsuit. There hadn't been expert reports, there hadn't been depositions of the parties in the lawsuit, any of that stuff, let alone exchange of documents. The high court's order set a date of December 11th, 2017, for the first trial in Commonwealth Court, little more than a month away. So it was Monday through Friday. We would start court at nine in the morning uh, and we would go until six or seven in the evening in the courthouse. Uh, Then we'd go back to the hotel, scarf down a dinner, and our whole team was gathered in kind of a war room in the hotel where we would be... Preparing for uh, testimony the next day, uh, you know, anticipating questions, uh, uh, anticipating testimony that the witnesses for the defense would um, would give, and thinking about how to cross-examine them on that topic, things like that. Uh, And so we'd be up until late at night every night in that war room, uh, getting ready for the next day trial. And then 9 a.m., we're back in court doing it again. Um, The trial ended on Friday, December 15th at around 6 p.m. Uh, and after the trial, this is a bench trial, meaning it was heard just by a judge, no jury. Uh, and the the judge instructed us to file our post-trial brief uh, recommending what factual findings the judge should make and what legal rulings he should make uh, by Monday at 9 a.m. So, we ended trial... Friday at 6 p.m., and our brief was due Monday at 9 a.m. We filed a 161-page brief on Monday, about 8.30 in the morning. Uh, and, uh, And things really didn't even slow down then. The plaintiffs, Geffen's
1: client, actually lost in Commonwealth court.
0: But it was a, a good loss, and what I mean by that is the judge in Commonwealth Court agreed with us on almost every significant factual issue in the case, but he held that under precedents um, from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court as he interpreted them, um, even though we'd proved all these facts that w- we still couldn't win. Generally speaking, an appellate court will not second-guess the factual findings made by trial court, um, but they're free to re-examine the legal conclusions. Uh, And that's what happened in this case. Um, The Pennsylvania Supreme Court um, uh, reached a different legal conclusion from the trial judge um, and found that, um, that, in fact, all the facts that we had proved in the trial showed that the 2011 map violated the state constitution.
1: Not just that. The court also ruled that the map was in essence so bad it could not be used in another election. A new map would have to be drawn and approved pronto in time for the midterm primaries in May. Talk about a thunderbolt hitting Pennsylvania politics. The governor and the General Assembly were given about three weeks to agree on a replacement map and submit it to the court. Since those two parties generally cannot even agree on what day of the week it is, that was not going to happen. Harrisburg lawmakers still have no plan for a new congressional map.
0: The deadline for a new map is tomorrow, but legislators say that the process has stalled. Ron Hillier joins us now with.
1: More Next, the, the court invited all the parties in the lawsuit to submit their own preferred replacement maps.
0: The governor is a party in the case. He submitted his preferred map. Um, the legislative leaders who were defendants in the case submitted different maps. Uh, for the plaintiffs, the maps that we submitted were just the, those um, maps that Dr. Chen had drawn, those random computer simulations that used neutral redistricting criteria. Um, so the, the court had an array of maps before it, and ultimately it drew a map that, um, by just about every measure, was superior to all of those maps. Uh, they engaged a, a special master who's a law professor at Stanford who's done this in states around the country.
1: The plaintiffs subjected the map done by the Stanford prof, a gentleman named Nathan Persily, to the same statistical test they'd run on the original gerrymandered map.
0: And it passed with flying colors. It, was, it, it did not have any of those unfairness indicators uh, that were screaming red sirens with the uh, 2011 plan.
1: The court approved Persily's map. This was now the official map under which the 2018 midterms would be held. What's the meaning of elections if you don't enjoy the fruit of winning them? Uh, when, when Republicans you, when you in Harrisburg screamed and carried on about the injustice of it all, sounding very much like an NFL defensive back who's just been called for pass interference in the end zone. Hey! They appealed to the United States Supreme Court several times, but it refused to review a ruling that was based on a state constitution.
0: Pennsylvania will soon have new congressional maps. The U.S. Supreme Court decided yesterday not to block a state court decision that had ruled the current boundaries violate the state's constitution. Now lawmakers have until the end of the week.
1: GOP leaders muttered darkly about about impeaching the judges who joined the majority ruling. Geffen says it was hard for him to take some of their protests too seriously.
0: One thing that really stuck out to me when we were in that phase of litigation is that um, the legislative leaders who were the defendants in our case said three weeks, that's not possibly enough time to pass a new map. The reason it took a lot of gall to say that is that the original map was passed in December of 2011 in less time than that. He's right. The gerrymandered
1: map that the court tossed out was introduced in the General Assembly one December morning in 2011. It passed before midnight that same day. Geffen also wants to debunk another myth about the case.
0: Sometimes people have, uh, I think, you know, insinuated that there's some uh, dark force behind this litigation. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, we're a nonprofit organization. We get money by, uh, from donations, from foundations, from law firms. We get uh, money when we, we win certain types of lawsuits uh, that include an attorney fee award. Um, and that's how, how our role in the case was funded. So, thanks
1: to Geffen and the other attorneys who toured on this case, Pennsylvania at long last has a new congressional map. This is a very significant defeat for Mr. Trump, a historic accomplishment and last November Democrats. that made Even though quite some house a difference. Races remain undecided. CNN can now project that Democrats will win the majority in the u s. House of Representatives Jake the uh, new lines combined with decisions by four Republicans not to seek new terms helped Democrats pick up a net of four Pennsylvania seats in the midterms. What in 2016 had been a 13-5 Republican advantage in the state's congressional delegation has morphed into an even 9-9 split in the new Congress. What's more, the delegation, once all male, now includes four women. In a further impact, once national Democrats realized the new map gave them a chance in Pennsylvania to flip, What had previously seemed untouchable GOP seats, the resulting momentum helped drive the blue wave that swept Nancy Pelosi back into the speakership. Nancy Pelosi has now officially received the vote she needs to become. Now, none of this this is to to suggest rah-rah Democrats. Democrats can be just as undemocratic when they hold power. Look no further than Trenton, New Jersey's state capital, where Democrats now are pushing for a new redistricting system that would punish Republicans for all time. This is just to say that maps have consequences, consequences that sometimes supersede the will of the voters. The impacts of the Pennsylvania court case may not end here. By filing their case in a state court and rooting it in the specific language of a state constitution— Geffen and his colleagues wrote a
0: script that advocates in
1: other states are eager to copy.
0: Our state constitution goes further than the U.S. Constitution in a number of respects in guaranteeing the rights of citizens to things like participating in the political process. A number of
1: other states have constitutional language similar to Pennsylvania's guarantee of free
0: and equal elections. State Supreme Courts have the final word on the meanings of state constitutions. And what that means is, um, even if a case is not winnable in the federal courts, even if a case is not winnable in the U.S. Supreme Court, um, there may be a legal theory founded on a state constitutional provision that makes that case winnable in state court. This case shows how advocates in states around the country can use their state constitutions to defend against partisan gerrymanders, whether they're perpetrated by Republicans or Democrats. then in fact, we've certainly heard from attorneys and advocates and experts in a number of states around the country who are interested in exactly this question and using this case and this legal theory as a mechanism for challenging gerrymanders in other locations.
1: This state-focused approach takes on added significance given how the Roberts Court has been reluctant to impose any limits on partisan gerrymandering. Given the conservative direction in which the federal courts seem to be trending, Geffen thinks more and more civil rights litigators will emulate the strategy of bringing cases in state courts based on state constitutions. This could be not just about gerrymandering, but also about voters' rights and other issues. So there you have it, the inside story of how one windmill came tumbling down when it was struck by a deftly located strike of the legal lance. The aftershocks of what Ben Geffen and company managed to pull off are still rippling, not just here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, but all across the land. Let me end by giving you another way to think about the indignation that Harrisburg politicians expressed when the court ripped from their hands something they regard as their constitutional birthright final say over election lines. So here's a question Are you, or have you ever been, the parent? of a teenager. If yes, let me give you a moment to let those stressful memories ebb away. Now, if your family is like many others in America, a common cause of contention with your adolescent offspring is, or was, the car. Who gets it, when, for what? Who'll keep it clean, gassed up, and undented. Now, let's imagine this scenario. Your teenager wants to go somewhere an hour from home. You could drive the kid there, wait around, and then drive back. But that's awfully inconvenient. So you decide to let said teenager use the family car for this jaunt. And sure enough, that evening, you get the call. There's been an accident. Your heart leaps upwards until it bumps into your Adam's apple. But wait, there is good news. Your child is unhurt. The car, not so much. The front end is crumpled. You never do get a totally clear picture of what happened. Your child's testimony is strategically vague. But the police don't issue a ticket, and the insurance company comes through with enough money for the repair. So, okay. After some time and a few stern lectures, you let your kid take the car out on the highway again. And the same darn thing happens again. Only this time, the car is totaled, and the police issue a citation for reckless driving to your wayward child. So now, what do you do? If you're a sane, red-blooded American parent, this is what you do. You take away the keys. Until further notice, or perhaps until the Mercury in Hades hits 32 degrees Fahrenheit, one of the above, and you make it clear to your child, this is why you can't have nice things. So, yes, it's true when it comes to election redistricting, politicians have long held the keys. But in Pennsylvania in 2011, the potentates of Harrisburg drove the car into a constitutional ditch twice. In two court cases, one decided in 2012, the other the one we just talked about from 2018, all of the three maps they drew for Congress, State Senate, and State House were tossed out as blatantly partisan and unconstitutional. That being the case, why in the world should anyone blithely hand the same people the keys to the redistricting bus in 2021? The politicians may not like it, just as your teenager doesn't like being grounded. In fact, in responding to the court ruling on the congressional map, the GOP caucus leaders often sounded like nothing so much as a grieved adolescent throwing a fit. But it's time we convey this message to them. You drove us into the ditch, twice. This is why you can't have nice things. This is why we have to take back the keys. Draw the Lines is a production of the Committee of Seventy, a nonpartisan, nonprofit, good government group based in the birthplace of democracy, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Our producer is Joel Patterson. This episode was recorded both at the studios of WXPN Public Radio in Philly and at Kelly Writer's House on the University of Pennsylvania campus. Thanks to Mike Vasilikos of WXPN and to Zach Cardner of Writer's House for all their help on this project. Music is by Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is made possible by grants from the William Penn Foundation, the Hillman Foundation, and the Heinz Endowments. So let me leave you with this thought. It is our house. It should be our mouse. Let us slay the gerrymander.